keep on looking for information and they just keep on... I'm looping. I'm looping. We're in a loop. Well, let's break that loop. Hello and welcome to Red Raccoon Radio. Hello. Uh, for those of you, this is your first time. I'm surprised, but happy you're here. Uh, this, of course, is the podcast that comes to you from Bloomington, Illinois' Red Raccoon Games, uh, the central Illinois' one-stop shop for anything board games, as well as a Darrington Press affiliate? Is that the term? Uh, guild member. Guild member. Yeah, we're, uh, we're part of the Darrington Press Guild. So if you that, love your critical that means role that, stuff. Yeah, all things critical role are available at the store. I saw that on, you never added that to the intro before. That was a new one. Well, I saw that you guys had posted it on Facebook, which, by the way, if you're ever interested in what we're doing, we're now posting that the episodes are on Facebook. That might be one of the reasons this is one of your first episodes you're listening to. Uh, so I just wanted to bring that up. Like, that is, that is something we've talked about on the podcast, but I think I think it's really cool and especially with critical role becoming more and more popular by the day and yeah. people recognizing it now no, because they, of the they reached show. out to us i was i was completely caught off guard by somebody from critical role reaching out to us and saying hey we're interested in having a conversation with you but you've got to sign this nda first and i was just like is this is this a scam? I mean, it, right in the Midwest, we we assume everything that we're not expecting like that's a scam. So, exactly. Uh, but no, it turns out it, it wasn't. And uh, great conversation with Brittany, and it's been a fun partnership so far. I mean, we've we've uh, we enjoy their products. We've got several critiker criticers uh, critters. critters critters on staff and i know we've got a lot of critters that are customers as well and uh yeah we've we've gotten various things from the from their the books they've put out to the new graphic novel series um i think most of the staff has watched the uh the amazon cartoon at this point yep and then uh the dice have been very popular we've got we got lots of stuff from them and it's been a cool partnership and we uh we get notifications on new stuff that's coming out and get a chance to order it so that we have it available when it's coming out. Um, and uh, the, of course, the one I missed is the new dice sets for uh, season two because we had all the season one dice sets and they, uh, they created a whole season two sets. And I, I missed the email. I feel bad, but those are on the way. They're coming. They're coming. Yes. Don't lament, Don't, listeners. Yeah. They're coming. But yeah, um, I just truly uh, think that what they're doing is fantastic. Now, I myself am not even a critter. Uh, I don't watch the show. I, I even have tried a few times to get into it. It's just never caught me the, the way that they approach but things. But your wife is. My wife absolutely loves it. So what <laughs> normally happens is on Thursday night, she gets all set up. She gets ready for bed so that she can just sit on the couch. And when she's done, boom, pops in bed. I will stay for the first 10 minutes to see if NordVPN has sponsored the show because they have an ongoing commercial narrative for NordVPN, which is a very weird Matrix ripoff to a degree. Okay. Which, <laughs> for some reason, is very compelling. It looks like they have a whole lot of fun, and Matt Mercer looks like he hates every second of it. And that's nothing against Matt Mercer. It's just the vibe that we get. And so I stay, and I watch to see that. Uh, they normally have some really cool merch that they show off, and then I'm adios. I'm to bed, and my wife ends up watching it. But the fact that even their commercials are so good that I stay up just to watch those, I think, is a testament to them. I've seen a couple of them. I've seen a couple of them. I, I am not a critter either. I'd rather play an RPG than watch somebody else play, but it's brought a ton of new people into the hobby. I mean, uh, Hasbro released a report that said that the fastest growing demographic of new players for Dungeons and Dragons is teenage girls. And they credit it to Critical Role. And then Hasbro, of course, Wizards of the Coast has their own um, series of um, live play, live action, role, live play. action yep. role playing games. And Wizards of the Coast, I, don't, I have no idea who's in charge of the department, but they've been pulling in uh, Hollywood talent for yeah. theirs. They had one episode or one series that was nothing but WWE wrestlers, which I thought was hilarious. Um, you know, they've been pulling in, um, you know, uh, uh, tables run by uh, people of color and uh, tables run by a ton of different actresses and actors and and uh, some big names have come on there like uh, Joe Magliano and his Death Saves campaign. Yep. Uh, we just got some Death Saves minis in the store the other day. And then you, uh, there was the classic table that Vin Diesel did, and mm -hmm. yeah, lots of stuff like that. So it's, apparently, it's, Ruby Rose plays at his like private game that he does with his family. So uh, it's Joe Magliano's. No, Vin Diesel. Oh, okay. So it's 
I mean, we have now gotten the nerds into and the geeks into modern media and mainstream audiences. So yeah. there's, I'm sure there's more hidden pockets than we'll never know. Jeff Goldblum has been on a D&D Play podcast. So I think that we've right, opened the to find that because that'd be awesome. I, just the way he talks. I don't know if it'd be awesome or if it's just a him being confused the whole entire time. But the fact is... The more confused he is, the more entertaining he sometimes Have you is. watched any of the episodes of uh, the Jeff Goldblum's, I think it's called Amazing World, it's on Disney? Yes. The sneaker episode this, is probably yeah. my favorite. Yeah. He was just confused the entire episode. And he rolls with it. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're a podcast that talks about gaming stuff in a gaming store in Bloomington, Illinois. Uh, I'm your host, John. I'm here with store owner, Jesse, Jamie. Ooh, sorry. Jesse wow. is not with us today. I was just thinking about him, though. He's in our hearts and in our minds. But it is Easter Sunday when we're recording, and yeah. family obligations come first for sure. Yeah, Jesse's doing Easter with, with the, his family, and uh, John and I were both like, you know, uh, my, you know, as we get older, even holidays get harder because my sister's with her, fa- her, her husband's family, my brother's with his wife's family, you know, and so. Um, we're scattered all over the place, all across uh, the Midwest now, and getting together for holidays is requires a major coordination and planning event. You know, I, I don't know. I know your family's quite a ways away as well. Yep. So they're all together though. So right now, my family is having a great time, also celebrating the birthday of my awesome nephew. I have many awesome nephews and nieces, but this is just his birthday. Uh, so I am just here with my wife, and we're like, "Hey, do you still want to do the podcast?" And we said, "Absolutely." So here we are. Easter we're Sunday. Easter Sunday, and we're going to talk about how the store is doing. How was this last week at the store? What's been going on? Um, it was good. It was, it was good. Uh, last week, we had um, our, what are we on, the third Gamers Night, and it was an amazing success. Everybody had a great time, uh, so that was good. Uh, just because it, it looks better in print, it's G-A-Y-M-E-R. Yes. Just so people understand yes. why. It's not just normal gamer night, so. Yeah, and, and so that was a ton of fun, and we've been doing a lot of planning going on. Uh, something fun that we are doing that uh, was completely unexpected is we are now the community theater players here in uh, Bloomington are doing Clue. And so, uh, which was, is a, just an absolutely madcap, amazing movie. If, if, if you don't remember that one, um, God, was that the late nineties, early nineties, probably Ooh. Tim Curry's the Butler. And I want to say late eighties. Like, is it we'll that? do some checks. Okay. Go ahead and yeah. Keep talking. Yeah. I mean, just the amazing cast of people and it's just a madcap show. And it was one of the first movies I remember that had different endings. So depending on which theater and what day you saw the movie in, it actually had different endings on there. And so I'm interested to see if they're going to do different endings on the play. So that'd be cool. And they reached out to us. Uh, of course, half of the people that are in the Community Players Theater are also customers of the store because uh, theater nerds and gaming nerds are not really that far apart on the spectrum. That right? Venn diagram is so close. <laughs> There's a lot of overlap yes. there. And so, yeah, so we're now the show sponsor of, of Clue, which is coming up in May. And uh, here's something fun uh, for anybody, all you know, all the, the dozens and dozens of people that are listening uh, to our podcast is if you see the poster on the front door of the store when you come in, you'll notice that the poster you see here might be different than posters you see elsewhere because the posters themselves are their own game of Clue. And who's on the poster and what weapon they're holding, you have to, if you can find all the various posters that they put out and they hung up around the community, that becomes its own game and you can deduce who did it and with what weapon and where they were at when they did it. So I thought that was pretty awesome. That is incredibly awesome. Yeah. Uh, so is there any prize to be won if you figure it out? Uh, free tickets to the show. Okay. Yeah, free tickets to the show. Yeah. And then at the show, we're giving away uh, copies of Clue. So every show, there I think there's six performances, and we're giving away a copy of Clue from our partners at USAopoly. So I sent them Scooby-Doo Clue and Golden Girls Clue and, and those kind of themed clues, and not just regular old boring Clue, um, which was still one of my favorite games as a kid, but I sent them kind of the, the cool themed ones. And so gotcha. I think uh, Lilo and Stitch Clue went with it and stuff like that. That. So it'll be cool. Very awesome. So that's that. That was completely unexpected this week. And then the other thing, um, you know, to this upcoming week, uh, this next Friday, for anybody who's listening to this, is the Streets in New Capenna. 
is the pre-release for the next Magic set. So that's coming fast. And then Astral Radiance, the next Pokemon set, is right on its heels. And the final kind of big thing that we've been working on is we started right before the pandemic, we started a kind of blooming to normal game developers group meetup at the store. And then the pandemic happened and nobody met up anywhere. Uh And so we're getting the gang back together and their first meeting is uh, Tuesday the I think it's Tuesday the 26th. If, if I'm wrong on that one, we'll put it in the show notes and what the actual day is. But I, I'm pretty sure it's Tuesday the 26th is the first time they're meeting back up. Six, Yeah, Tuesday the 26th since the pandemic happened. So so that's pretty cool, too. It's just if you want to see it on the calendar, it's called the Local Designer Playtest Night. Because we've talked about before that we've got a bunch of designers in central Illinois area. And uh, they like to get together and hang out and try each other's new games and do a lot of playtesting. So that's so what, coming up good. So what, if someone attends the playtesting event, what should they be prepared for? What are the plans for that? Well, I think that um, I think that there's going to be some question and answer sessions that are going to go on, and then they're going to bust out some of the prototype games, and and a lot of them are pretty early prototypes, right? Pretty, you know, even to the point where it might just be something that somebody threw through a laser printer and then cut out the pieces and glued it to some cardboard. So don't expect to see a final model of games at the store. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that's kind of what they're looking for is they want to be together, answer questions, and then maybe do some light presentations and stuff. And then really kind of, Hey, here's this new thing I'm looking at. What do you think? What's your impressions? And while this might not be the next Asmodee game that's coming out, there's still some actual pretty big names that have been developing in the area. I think you just mentioned the other day, the search for planet X developer just moved to town. Yeah. Uh, I believe you mentioned a few other games that have been created by people here. Yeah, Gage, um, Gage Gualti, we carry uh, Change Up, which mm-hmm. is a multiplayer three-card money game, so that's pretty cool. He's got a couple other things in the work as well. Michael Melkonen made Dance Card, which is a, a game about the awkwardness of going to your first prom. Phenomenal game. It is fun, it is light, it is one that I love showing people because you have all these different standees, it looks really brilliant, and you still kind of get that vibe of what it was like to be at the high school dance and trying to manipulate where to go and how to get people. It's amazing. And it's all about finding your crush and asking them to dance and building up confidence by finding your wingmen and pulling them together mm-hmm. and talking to their friends first. And then what I love about it too is if you fail your first time out, because there's still a dice roll involved. And if you, yep. if you don't hit it the first time out, um, you've got to go and you're embarrassed and you can either go hide in the bathroom or hide in the janitor's closet for a couple, for a round and then reset to come back out and make another attempt at it. And there are different chaperones that can attend the game, uh, attend the dance, and they will move pieces around the board and thwart you at every instance. It's a, so, cool, it's a cool game. And it, it was also, so. too, Michael made a purposeful effort to make it one of the first truly inclusive board games that I had seen. Absolutely. And, and uh, he accomplished that, and the artist did a fabulous job so it's a lot of fun we had a we had a young girl that brought in a game two weeks ago i think it was and she decided over the pandemic she was going to make a game and so she started working on it she brought in the prototype and we sat down and played it and uh, it was a ton of fun it's kind of a, a riff off of um uno right and it's another one of those games like even llamas one of our favorite games of 2019 was a riff off of of an uno style game too so We had a good time with it. We gave her some feedback about, you know, clarifying some of the rules about how it was supposed to be played. And and so um, she's uh, hopefully going to come as well. And and it should be a good time. Yeah. So come on out. See these games. Help the developers create and make better and better iterations of this game. Be a part of the process. If you love games... And if you've ever thought about making your own game too, right? That's what we want to encourage and foster is we want to make an environment where, um, you know, you feel confident to say, hey, I have this idea. Where do we go from here? What's next up? And and maybe, maybe part of that process is partnering up with somebody else. Exactly. You know, you don't always have to do everything on your own. Um, and, and we want to kind of build the same thing. Champagne's had a group like this for a few years called Kudo. Um, which is the, I think it just stands for Champaign-Urbana Designers Organization. And uh, we kind of want to help build that same network for the Bloomington Normal community as well. Just kind of a cool opportunity. That's awesome. I I do plan on attending that. That does sound like a lot of fun. Yeah. 
Speaking of gaming developers uh, and and people that have been working on creating these fantastic uh, uh, games for us to play, the American Tabletop Awards were delivered recently, and there were some really great games that came out of that. So I believe the awards are kind of a newer award. Uh, they have been, I believe, now for about three years. Yeah, it's it was, and that caught uh, game stores off guard. We were not um, prepared for that, right? Because they kind of came out of nowhere. And it's, it's a smaller group um, that started putting these awards out. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It was interesting that we didn't know 100% what to do about this group, right? Yeah. So, And I, I originally was kind of skeptical about them in general. Like, okay, well, who are these people? Because they're calling themselves the American version of the Spiel de Jahres. And Spiel der Jahres is a is a big group based it's, in Germany. It's the seal you want on your game. Yes, yeah. The Spiel der Jahres is game of the year, and they've been around and operating since the late seventies, and so they've got tons and tons of cred and years of experience. And if you if your game is even nominated to win a Spiel der Jahres, that could mean that you're going to sell on average an extra three to five thousand copies. And if your game wins. On average, you'll sell an extra 100,000 copies of your game. So it's a big deal, right? And uh, so, yeah, the American Tabletop game Group came out, and I was reading through the bio of the people that are part of the committee, and I've only ever heard of one of them, but I... I don't watch a ton of um, a, a ton of reviewers and critics online. You know, I, I mostly follow publishers themselves, but but not the reviewers. And so, um, I went back and I did some research. I'm like, okay, well, how did Spiel der Jahres start? Pretty much the same way. A bunch of critics got together and said, hey, we need to drive this hobby. We need to celebrate it. We need to make some awards to say these are the best games to, in order to boost the hobby in general. It started the exact same way. So so good on these folks for, for, for making a run at this, and I hope that they can get something that lasts. And absolutely, their choices make a lot of sense. Uh, I think that many of the, the winners this year definitely were standouts, and I do believe that even the recommended and nominated categories for each of these as well ended up being really powerful. So they actually do four awards, Early Gamers, Casual Games strategy games, and complex games. So to begin with, Early Gamers is a game, this is the only game out of the list I haven't heard about, and that is Happy City. Oh, uh, you've never played Happy City? I have never gotten a chance to play Happy City. Oh, Happy City is great. That was actually one of my favorite games of, of I think it came out originally probably in really late 2022, or 2020, and, and then it was sold out instantly, and then we couldn't get it in quantity of until later into 2021 with all the crazy shipping issues that happened right. last year. And uh, yeah, it's a cool, it's a really cool game. It's like a very fast playing version of like Machi Koro. But um, it focuses on not only you have, each person plays as the mayor, but you have to build up your population. But your final score is the number of people in your city times the number of hearts you got how happy are they? And that's your final score at the end of the game. And it, it, it only plays for 10 cards, so it's very quick. And Perfect it, for yeah. those early gamers. Yeah, lots of fun. Lots of fun. And I'm, I'm confused on if the category is for people that are just starting to play a game or for younger gamers. I haven't been able to do any research on that, but... Would you say, knowing what about Happy City, is it a, a adults could enjoy it as well from the sound of it? Um, yeah, I mean, well, looking at the other games they nominated, right, um, you know, with Block Ness and Hammer Time, which are both games that we've had in the store as well as Crash Octopus, which you and I played like a week ago. Which was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think that they're actually going for that kind of younger kid, younger crowds thing. And every great kids game should be able to be played with adults, right? That's fair. I mean, um, I, I always joke that Hi-Ho Cheerio is the worst board game ever created. Makes people want to stab themselves with their own finger in the eye. Um, and But a good kids game shouldn't be like that. And so I went back and looked at past years that they've also released for their awards too. And... I think it's just a, an early childhood, call it six, seven years old, can play Happy City with some help. It's that simple of a game, and but it, but amazing replayability. Um, 
and it is on Board Game Arena as well. I, I probably played 100 rounds of it on Board Game Arena as well as the amount of time we played it in the store. That's fantastic. So the other nom- uh, the other nominees this year were Block Ness and Hammer Time with recommendations for Crash Octopus and Kabuki Sumo, which I know that you've had in the store as well. Yeah, we've had all these. And uh, Block Ness is kind of a logic game. Hammer Time is kind of a kid's dexterity game. We just played that at staff training um, a, a month ago to make sure everybody knew how to play it because... Um, you know, we get asked all the time, like, what games can I play with my five and six and seven year old? And Hammer Time is up there. And then Crash Octopus is a, is a really fun dexterity game. Um, my only problem with the recommendation for Crash Octopus is um, it's the version we got in the store was the Kickstarter version. And I don't even know if they're going to make a retail version. So that might be one of those impossible to find games. Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun, but I just don't know if people are going to be able to find it. That's Fair. that's the only downside to the Crash Octopus recommendation there. The only other downside is if you have a hole in your table like Jamie does, <laughs> and you can't necessarily move all the pieces about as you need. Yeah, my, my I have a gaming table that a friend built for me at home. And, um, you know, it's got the cover on it so that you can eat and use it like a, a tabletop. But he put a hole in one of the panels so you stick your finger in it or lift the covers off. And that becomes an issue with dexterity flicking games because there's literally a hole in the center of my table. But looking at like last year, the winner for uh, early learning last year was Abandon Our, All Artichokes. And that is a great, simple, little early, easy to play deck builder game. So I remember you talking about that. Yeah. In the casual game category, our winner was Kabutos. Again, a, a game that I've seen out, but I've never actually gotten to play. It, it, it's, um, it's, a, it's a racing game. Right, it's it's a cube racing game, and it was a game that it was a game that has a complicated history for the store, in the fact that um, I played an early prototype of it at the Gamma trade show in 2020, and thought it was so bad that when it came out, we didn't even bother ordering it. But it turns out that, you know, I was with a big game of a big group of retailers and we all kind of were like, this is not fun. We don't even want this for our store. This is not a good game. And uh, AEG took our feedback to heart and went back and completely reworked the game. And so apparently it's amazing now because it's winning all kinds of awards and everybody's having a great time with it. And uh, as soon as we realized that everybody was having a great time with us and winning these awards, we went, oh, well, if they reworked it, we should get it, give it a shot, and we haven't been able to get it. <laughs> oh, so maybe I didn't see it in the store. Maybe yeah, no, we've, no, we've never had it here yet. Um, we're we're working and trying to get it right now, and hopefully, it will be here in the next couple of weeks because I think AEG just got it back in stock. Gotcha. So, yeah, uh, don't give up on a game too early is apparently the lesson learned there. If only there were organizations where you could get together and play board games in their test phase to help their development. Uh, rewind about five minutes and you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah. Anyways, the recommended for this category was The Crew, Mission Deep Sea, which is a follow-up from The, the Crew. Crew last year, uh, which was a winner last year, uh, and Whirling Witchcraft, which I had not heard from. I, I don't know that one either. Jesse was trying to track that down. We were talking about the other day because we don't know much about that. But the nominated, the other nominees were Seven Wonders Architects, which was another fantastic Seven Wonders game. I've been, yeah, I've had fun with that. That was part of um, uh, Fantasy Flight and 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 uh, Asmodee have been going back to some of the classic games and trying to kind of say, can we take this concept around this game and make a quick play version of it? So they did it with Ticket to Ride. We got like Ticket to Ride uh, New York and Japan, which are like 20 minute versions of Ticket to Ride. Uh-huh. They did it with Arkham Horror, which we got Arkham Horror Final, Final Hour. Hour which is like a 20-minute version to still kind of get that same creepy gameplay. And then Seven Wonders Architect is supposed to be like a 20 to 30-minute version where you can play uh, Seven Wonders. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I too. enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, as well as the other nominee, which was Summer Camp, which is a clever little kind of building and getting merit badges almost as you progress down a track. It, it's a really fun and casual game is a, is a great way to nominate. Uh, kind of identify that yeah in the strategy game is a game that you and i have actually gotten to play together which is cascadia uh cascadia excuse me yeah uh that cascadia was a uh 
that was another one we backed on Kickstarter. That was a flat out games. Um, and the year before flat out had come out with Calico and we loved it so much that when they announced they were making Cascadia, we pounced on it to pull that cat reference forward. Yes. And, uh, yeah, Cascadia is a ton of fun. Uh, I enjoy that one quite a bit. It's a, it's a, tile laying game where you're trying to build out the wilderness and you've got to make habitats for the animals and, and it's it's very beautiful while you're playing it too and with that recommended list is furnace and genotype now i haven't played furnace did you get a chance to I, play furnace i have not every copy we got at the store is sold out so fast that we never actually we've never had a chance to open one to say we should learn how to play this game so must be pretty good because as soon as we get it in the store it sells out instantly uh, Genotype is uh, from Genius Games, and they make every one of their games is based in true science, and they make just some amazing games that we've had a lot of fun with too, including uh, uh, oh god, I'm dropping the name of it. There was uh, Sublime, which is uh, subatomic. I mean, subatomic, there subatomic, we go, yes. which is all about building atoms and stuff. Did they do Compound as well? They did Compound. And then they did one, and I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but you have to, um, uh, it's all about building the most efficient cell. And so it's based on all the microparticles and inside components of a cell, like the mitochondria and the RNA and DNA and everything too. And uh, again, completely scientifically accurate. And in every one of their games, they include a book that says, here's the science behind the game. And then of course you get the book with the rules too. Right. So I thought that was kind of fun. Interesting. Uh, and then the nominated category is Hadrian's Wall and Brew. And Brew got on my table as soon as we bought it. It looks gorgeous. It plays really well for a worker placement. It's all about collecting, crafting, all the good stuff. It kind of gave me that video game feel that I usually kind of like getting out of board games. And so I highly recommend it. It's fantastic. Nice. Then, in the last category, as I scroll through my phone, is Lost the Complex Ruins games, of Arnak. Which I knew, this actually, seeing that this was the winner, <laughs> I knew I was going to have to bring up and talk with you, because I don't know if we've had a podcast. Where I and, haven't brought the Lost Ruins of Arnak up. Exactly, in the last, like, four or five times we've recorded. It's so good! It is so good. It's so good. I mean, it's, it's, it's on the crunchier side of games, but it's still, I feel like it's very accessible. Right. I mean, the, you know, once you kind of get playing through it, call the first half of the first game a learning experience to mm-hmm. kind of understand the mechanics of it. And once you get through that first that first half of a game, you're like, oh, and it's a, it's, it's it kind of gives me that Alan Quartermain slash Indiana Jones feel of exploring into the the great unknown of call it Central America um, in the 1930s and 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 it's a deck builder mechanic too. So you use the deck builder mechanic to drive where you can do the worker placement to get resources to move up the research track and the research track is really where you can score the most points and it's it's so good uh-huh. uh with the recommendations coming from that being B- bidoku yeah, Bitoku. I, I don't know how to pronounce it right i mean it's Fair it enough. could be it and could be. origins first builders right now uh bitoku however you say that one we had in the store again it's another one that sold out we went to get more and it's sold out everywhere so we're hoping to get that one in soon and origins first builders um we've had it on pre-order and never gotten it in yet so interesting this could be one of those things where um and it was it was shown off at the gamma trade show i was just at so it could be another one of those things where the the reviewers the critics got access to a game that stores haven't actually had available yet so I am going to have a little bit of umbrage towards Arnak in this case, because the other nominees for this category are two games that I absolutely adore. I knew you were going to bring it up. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Sleeping Gods and Oath Chronicles of the Empire and Exile. So I'll start with Sleeping Gods because it is... It invokes the feeling of Lost with the art of uh, the designer who, who's also done Near and Far, uh, Now and... It's not Now and Then. 
maybe it's that one. Then he's he's done a whole series of games. Yeah, uh, near and far, up and down, or something like that. Uh, they're they're always they're they're beautifully named. And I can never remember yeah. any of them because they're so simply named. But each one has these different mechanics. But the art in Sleeping Gods is is very reminiscent of that. And the whole entire story is you're a crew on a boat that somehow has floated into this unknown world. And so now you have to keep your boat filled with gas. You have to try and find a way to get back to your world. You have to worry about health items and each port that you land in has a different narrative thread that you can chase. Uh, it is a choose your own adventure with gameplay mechanics. And I feel like it is just exceptional. We got it in and that was another one. We got the Kickstarter release in and it sold out nearly instantly. And the retail release has been delayed over and over and over again. So the people who grabbed the Kickstarter versions got it almost a year ago, and we haven't had any more copies to sell since then. And and we desperately, you, the way that everybody waxes poetic about it, I I really want to get it to the table, and and I just haven't been able to because I can't get a copy of it. We can talk about that. We might be able to help with that. Yeah, uh, uh, it's near and far, above and below. Uh, there was another newer one, and I was trying to find it on Board Game Geek real quick, and I'm, I'm just not it's, finding it. It's now and something. I don't know if that's helpful. <laughs> now and then? I, I think don't, now maybe, and then. Maybe. It sounds right. Uh, but Oath is the other nominee that I want to talk about, simply because it is a overly complicated game. There are rules that you take into the game, but how you play the game one round is going to affect the next time you play it because there are certain cards that are no longer part of the game because of how you previously played. So each time you open the box, even if you're taking it to other people's houses or you're playing with a different group of people, the choices that were made in the last time you played it are carried through with you, which is an aspect of it I truly love. Um, and that's another one too um, from Leader Games, right? And uh, Leader probably best known for Root. Yes. Which is... <laughs> Um, I have a complex history with Root too. In the just in the fast the fact that every person that loves the store loves Root, and I just it just never grabbed me. But everybody else, I, I just assumed that maybe the group I was playing with, I wasn't doing it right or something, you know. And I probably need to give it another shot and get it back to the table because it, it's hard for me to believe that everybody except for me loves that game. Now or never. Now or never. That's what it there is. it is. I found it finally. I think that the, the key to root, which is an asymmetric game, which means each time you, not each time you play, but you can accept a role that is completely different than anybody else's at the table. And it really is about finding a role that fits you best. And so if you didn't like the first time you played, that shouldn't discourage you from playing again. It just means that possibly you should try a different race. And there's the avian group, there's the cats, there's the woodland creatures, there's the otters, there's the vagabond, who can be kind of like any race. And it's, I think the art style does play a style into that because it is very cutesy, but at the same yep. time, I think it is, I can not only be good at this game, I can master how I play this one particular person. And much like kind of building a deck in a deck builder, you can build, you can strategize around what you have in front of you. I and think don't I have play to the otters. That, they're an incredibly hard way to get started. Oh, because well, that's probably the, my downfall right there. The otters were an add-on, I believe. And yeah, they're from the Riverfolk expansion. Exactly. And their whole job is like trying to get people and ferry them across and gaining money that way. And if people just aren't interested in that, it's not going to be very advantageous for you. Okay. So we'll, okay. We can definitely talk about that a little bit. All right, bit we'll come back to that. Road. But the leader games also made Fort, and Fort was a ton of fun, too. Fort is amazing, yes. Fort is all about um, uh, picking your best friend of who's going to play with you in your fort. And, um, of course, any friends you choose not to play with could wander off and end up somebody else's best friend to play with in, in their fort instead. And so it's a little bit of a set collection game. Um, but it's also this really cool mechanic of, you know, if you're not playing with your friends, they're going to go find other friends to play with. And so you have to be very cognizant of, of what you're doing and who you're playing with. And I just, I love the art style from Fort too. It has kind of this, it's not messy, but it's not exactly like clean cut and very much, it feels juvenile in a way. That it, it does. It feels really like a well. fourth or fifth grader drew, drew all the, the pictures. All right, Jamie. This was all foreplay. This was us all <laughs> talking about something wow. that was really board games. 
But now we got to talk about the big news that happened this week. Okay. Okay. And that is something that caught, I think, a lot of people off guard just because they didn't understand the history behind it. Oh, that's where you're going. Okay. That's where I'm going. Because it was announced this week that Dungeons and Dragons is buying D&D Beyond. Yeah. Or Dungeons and Dragons Beyond, however you want to say it. I now realize why the website is D in D Beyond is because they weren't really D and D. Right. And that makes so much more sense to me now as a whole. But yep. for almost $150 million, Dungeons and Dragons has bought the whole D&D Beyond like, package, including the people that worked on it, which is about 80 staff members, and brought it fully under the Hasbro D&D Wizards of the Coast uh consortium yeah. as it were which they bought it from fandom which you may know from if you've ever tried to look up information about your favorite television show and there's a wikipedia about it that's most likely a fandom site uh wikipedia the star wars wiki uh, wikipedia is probably the number one that's there but apparently they had bought this a few years back they had fully invested in it to make it more of a tool and not just a place to buy digital books and then D&D, has, uh, Dungeons & Dragons proper, Hasbro has said, we're going big on Dungeons & Dragons. We're making this movie. We are pushing this out more and more. Let's go ahead and scoop up the num- what I would say is the number one used tool when playing Dungeons & Dragons digitally. Yeah, I mean, D&D Beyond is, uh, and I think what you're saying is most people didn't realize that D&D Beyond wasn't owned by Wizards of the Coast. Correct. It, because Wizards of the Coast um, plugged it nonstop on their um, social media channels exactly. all the time. And uh, yeah, so I knew that it wasn't um, owned by them, but I thought that D&D Beyond was run by the same people that did um, drive Through RPG. And it's not, right? You said it's yes. fandom. And then I was like, oh, I had no idea on that part. So it's, it's interesting because... Um, one of the things that you can do in D&D Beyond is you can, of course, go on there and create basic characters um, mm-hmm. and use a digital char- player character sheet um, from D&D Beyond. And um, then, of course, they're always trying to encourage you to buy digital copies of the books. Uh, I know people have different feelings on um, digital versions of the books where, uh, you know, some people myself included want the physical version of the book other people don't want to carry around a whole pile of books they want the digital versions and that's just a preference thing um i mean i don't even i don't even use ebook readers or anything i i want a physical copy of the book because for me reading or playing games most of the time uh, you know like tabletop stuff that is time away from technology I spend so much time um, involved with technology, I want to be away from it. But other people are have really embraced PDF copies of books and things of that over the years. And one of the things that retailers have been asking is saying, hey, when somebody buys a physical copy of the book, let's give them a scratch-off card that says, okay, and here this unlocks a PDF version of the book as well. That way it's the best of both worlds that you get the book and the, the PDF of them so you can sit at home and enjoy the PDF, but if you're traveling to a buddy's house, maybe you or sit at home and enjoy the book and the art and, and all the wonders that go with having a physical copy of the book, you go to a buddy's house, take the digital version with you, right? And let's really embrace this together because we do that all the time with third-party books via the Bits and Mortar program. Yep. Um, you know, you buy Call of Cthulhu, you get a PDF. You buy Kids on Bikes, you get a PDF. You buy all these things, you get the PDF except for Dungeons and & Dragons and Pathfinder. And, I mean, this is not new technology, right? We're talking right. literally, uh, you know, Steam uh, on the video game world has made it so that you could buy uh, a, a copy of the game using a scratch-off card on one of those spinners in Walmart, and then you take it home and scratch off, get the code, and unlock the the DRM protected. I'm sure that's what they're all concerned about is uh, unlocking the DRM protected version of the game, uh, or of the book. 
I mean, give retailers a spinner rack and we'll just have some hanging cards on there. Oh, you're buying Fizzman's Guide to Dragons? Here's the card that lets you scratch off and get the PDF version of it and unlock it in D&D Beyond. I hope that's where we're going with this. And that's what everyone online is clamoring for because now that they've realized that that was the separation point and that there's this been this huge upheaval, that process would be fantastic, especially if they can, like go with game stores to help facilitate that process. Yeah. Because the uh, many of the problems that people are pointing out is this would, if they put in a card like that, it would systematically change how they produce books because they would have to do plastic wrapping most likely and insert the card. And that's a whole more another step in the production process. Or they'd have to do a whole new digital system that they print in the book that you would then have to look at. And trying to prevent prevent theft of that code right. would be incredibly hard to do. Uh, and that's why I think game stores could be a linchpin on if you buy the book from a game store, a game store can help enable you to get the content. Yeah. And, and the bits and mortar program, the way that it works is we log into the bits and mortar program. And if you buy a book, we look it up and we just say, go into the thing and say, okay, here is John's email address. Email him the code. Mm-hmm. It could be that easy. It doesn't even have to be a scratch off code. It could be as easy as we're a um, registered game store, which we are on the Wizards Play Network, and we go in and and we. This is how you get the code. Now, I will tell you, in my perfect world, I would not necessarily want to buy the book and then get the book digitally. Because D&D Beyond has a fantastic system of not just letting you buy the book, but buying material piecemeal within the game. So that means that, let's say I want to play a class that is in Xanathar's Guide. I don't have enough money for Xanathar's Guide, but I can actually go and just buy that class to unlock it for my digital character. Yeah, I think it would be fantastic if... In order to say, hey, you still want to buy your books digitally, that's fine. You can buy them and you get the full thing online. But if you buy the book physically, you can get a code that just gives you the content so you can unlock for your character sheet. Right. You can't read the book then online, but you can still use the items. You can still use the classes, all of the changes, but you'll still have that physical copy of the book for reference. And I think that for me would be the sweet spot of still encouraging people to buy things digitally, but having the book still feeling like a reward in that digital space that they now own and can continue to purport and get people to buy digital dice, which is a thing that you can do on D&D Beyond, which is frustrating how much I want to buy digital dice that I cannot touch. <laughs> but they have such cool effects, like you roll a 20 and they might explode or uh, they mist away because they're made of dust or something along those lines. So Yeah, there's uh, it's, it's this weird dividing line that we live in, this weird world right now, because um, prior to COVID, there were services like uh, Fantasy Grounds and Roll20 mm-hmm. um, where you could play online, but most people prefer to not play online. Most of the time, you know, I think D&D, one of the beautiful things about it, it's very much a social game, yes. right? Um, you know, you and I play in a game together, and part of the reason why the game never actually starts on time is because it's a lot of times the only time we can actually get together and hang out with um, Ryan and Steve and Zach and so we spend the first 45 minutes just catching up because you know the older we get the harder it is to line up our schedules to get everybody together to just hang out and have a good time exactly and so we actually had to plan an extra long play section play session for um time to just bs at the front and time to bs at the end and then still have some time to play the game in the middle with food intermixed throughout always food always always food food. at least when we play um (laughs) and uh i think that there there is a lot of concern from folks on this move where it seems like a lot of People don't want to be forced into the digital world. Uh-huh. They want to use the digital world on their terms at their need. Like you said, you want to buy a character here and there. But um, I think that the big one of the big fears that's going on as part of this move is to, you know, Wizards of the Coast has got to tread a line to make sure that they don't try to force people into things that they don't want to do. Exactly. You know, I think that's a mistake that Paizo made is they really, really kind of tried to force people into PDF versions of the books a couple of years ago when they went to Pathfinder 2nd Edition and 
Um, second edition has not been as popular as the original game, and it just has not taken off. And and the way Paizo handled it alienated a lot of game stores too, where game stores said, I'm not going to carry Pathfinder on my shelves anymore. And because of that, the reach of the game has continued to shrink over and over again because people, I mean, they're, you know, stores have a purpose and part of that is marketing exposure, um, which is why they everybody pays so much money for cover art, right? Mm-hmm. In, including still cover art on books. Right. And, um, uh, you know, I think that there's this line that they've got to tread real carefully of, of making sure that they don't alienate people and send them back into another game. So it's, it's going to be interesting to follow this as it goes along. Absolutely. And I feel like this is a... Another marketing step for something that Hasbro is planning big on. They are really dumbling down on a lot of their properties, uh, from Power Rangers to, I think, they have G.I. Joe now that they've been doubling down on, Transformers I think they've been doubling down on, especially in the board game space. Yeah. But with Dungeons & Dragons coming out with um, the movie, which Chris Pine has come out and said that it is like Lord of the Rings meets Princess Bride, which I believe is the exact space that I want a D&D movie to live in, okay. if that is true. Okay. Because uh, there's got to be there's got to be some serious, heartfelt moments, but we also have to have shenanigans. Like, you can't have a D&D movie without real shenanigans. Okay. So, Princess Bride, for me, fits that bill nicely. So, you think they're taking the Marvel Universe m- methodology and not the DC Universe? That's where success is right now, right? Yeah. And even DC has new owners recently. Uh, that are re-examining all of that one more time because DC just can't seem to get that launching point that they want. And the new owners of DC are even talked about. Superman is a underutilized character. And how he's been used in the past has been ill-fitting for him. And so they are trying very hard to reestablish, like, there's still hope within DC. And we'll see if that happens. But within Dungeons & Dragons... Well, the new Batman movie is getting critical acclaim. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't either. I uh, We were going to go see it last week, but it's three hours long. And I was going to go with Zach, and he's a school teacher. And he's like, man, I can't I can't be awake that late at night. I have, I have school in the morning, you know? <laughs> and so uh, we ended up watching... Watching Spider-Man No Way Home, which is amazing. Uh, did you know? Uh, and I'll, I'll circle back to Batman because I want to talk about that some more. But Spider-Man No Way Home has now moved into the spot as the sixth highest grossing movie of all time. Yes. People love that movie um, and, and are going to see it in, in droves. But I want to see Batman because everybody says this is the return of Batman as the world's greatest detective. This is, it's not just a comic book punch up, a fight, a fist fight the entire way through that. And that's what I want to see is I want to see this return to Batman as the uh, world's greatest detective and, and how he, how this whole, um, you know, the riddle un, unwinds. So, and you're not the only one so much so that there's actually a new Batman RPG coming out. This RPG is not a DC Universe RPG. It is not okay. where you are playing in the same world as like Superman and Green Lantern and all that. It is very supposed to be focused within Gotham City and take a very noir approach to how you're approaching the, the world. Okay. And it's not so much on super heroics, but it's on detective work. It's on that noir, you're kind of a private eye in this dark city, and there's a crime, and you have to solve it. Yeah, because Gotham City is not a nice place. It is not. Right? I mean, that's that's why Batman is there. So there's so much you could do um, in, in a world building, in a world setting with Gotham City if you said... Uh, we're not going to take 1960s Adam West Batman, but we're going to use this new kind of super dark one where you've got to find and uncover all the clues. And um, I'm assuming in the new game, nobody plays as Batman because I don't know how you make a game where everybody wants to be Batman. The approach they're taking, which, by the way, the game is called Batman Gotham City Chronicles, okay, so uh, which is still just in development and trying to work at it, is really taking the approach from the movie of, you know, there are people out there that need to be stopped and what are you going to do to stop them and you're right not everyone can play as probably batman but i believe that in the film from everything that i've read and that i've seen this is not batman that is necessarily well put together 
this is Batman that is smart, but still unhinged. And so they say that in the article that I was reading from Dicebreaker about this, uh, you can definitely look at this and the Dark Knight trilogy as well and say, okay, this is the world that we're going to live in. Maybe you're playing as a detective. Maybe you're Bullock from the animated series that's going around and trying to solve crimes when all of these crazy people, both villains and quote unquote heroes, are getting in your way. Uh, maybe your characters like uh, the uh, the question, who is a DC character that's not really well known. He actually has just a blank face and scares people with mist. But he was portrayed well in the DC animated series as kind of being this obsessive compulsive who believes in conspiracy theories. And you know every fifth conspiracy he goes after is actually correct, and that it's all connected. It's about finding the the darker side of just Gotham City, not the world. Okay. And that's what I think is very intriguing about this, is that instead of trying to take the mortal man of Batman and put him among the gods, taking the concepts of vigilantism, of where is the line, of what do you do to stop something you know isn't right, and how far are you willing to go to do it? And placing that in an RPG setting gives it a completely different tone, which Who's is making interesting. It? Uh, I believe it's, let me double check here, uh, Monolith Games. Okay, Monolith has had some really cool RPG systems that they've come out with over the years. So, so yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty cool. Uh, I would want to see, see some more details on it, but I'm interested in the concept for sure. But... That is, that is an intriguing RPG element to me. And again, it's one of those things that we could totally take a D&D setting or a more popular game and try and build it in. But I'm very curious on what mechanics they're going to build into to give you that noir feeling. Uh, one of the things that I truly love from uh, Son of Oak games, who use the power by apocalypse system to create City of Mist, is that they kind of alleviate the need for a lot of high intensity dice rolls where you can focus a lot more on the narrative. And I wonder if that's going to be what's coming from here. Well, and we've seen a lot more interesting RPG systems coming forward too, um, where you get things like, you know, kids on bikes, which is really, like you said, very mm-hmm. little dice rolling at all and more on the narrative and the relationship of the players and how they interact together. And we just got a game in and I'm drawing a blank on the title of it that is all about instead of going out and killing the monsters, it's assumed that if the monster is misbehaving and attacking people, uh, there must be a reason for it. There must be something wrong with the monster. So you actually have to help the monster and and make it better to solve the mystery. That would be the Monster Care Squad, which I think when they developed that name, they did not realize how good of an artist they were going to have because the name invokes like a, oh, we're like kids that are helping out monsters like Pokemon. But the art on that book just looks fantasy-esque and gorgeous. Uh, And you're right. It's all about fixing the world instead of trying to fight an evil in the world. And that's... The more and more we see those elements in RPGs, the more and more I wish that there was more time I could dedicate to exploring all of these. Um, Yeah, darn work. It keeps getting in the way of the games we want to play. right? And then, you know, my generation's never going to be able to retire, so... Uh, You know, one of the the things here, just as a a, a quick aside, one of the things that we've talked about as maybe long-term goals for Red Raccoon Games is starting the the Geek Retirement Center. Like, instead of going to a traditional nursing home, you go to a geek nursing home and the whole place is full of Xbox and and arcade games and tabletop library and role-playing sessions and and things like that as well. I I would sign up for Red Raccoon Retirement in a heartbeat. Uh, Because I believe that if you were used to that growing up and it's part of your life, that could be a great way to help enrich your mind, keep on doing things. And if you've got a dedicated player base that uh, can, can, can't can leave because they all live in the same community, <laughs> you're going to be stuck there. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Yeah, I love scheduling that uh, problems become a thing of the past, hopefully, right? And then all the movies at night are all, you know, okay, this week it's Princess Bride, next week it's Monster Squad, the week after that it's... Uh, Blazing Saddles. I mean, you could bring in all these kind of awesome geek culture trope movies and just show them like every night of the week, too. That's fantastic. I yeah. won best in this. Uh, put me down as a backer whenever you start that Kickstarter. <laughs> so, unfortunately, fortunately, Monster Care Squad is actually out. It is in the store right yeah. now, upstairs. You can buy it. Let's talk about some other things that are actually in the store right now that we could totally tell people about. 
Yeah. Um, no, lots of uh, interesting things came out this week. One is uh, we finally got the retail release of Canvas. And yes. Canvas came out, gosh, probably 2018 originally, maybe 2017. And um, it was, it, again, it was another Kickstarter one. It was limited release and it came in and we loved it and it sold out almost instantaneously. And it's this really cool game that uses um, clear, it's, a, it's like a card building game, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're using clear design elements and putting them together in such a way to create artwork on your own canvas and that's how you score points through the game through matching up different uh, design elements together to make all these really cool um really cool uh patterns and patches and you just look at it you're like oh that was that one came out really nice so um canvas is lots of fun and and even with the the fact that the the box is designed to be hung on a wall it has a thing built in the back of the box so you can hang it on a, a screw or a nail and it's it will not the game pieces don't fall out because of the way the box is designed and it becomes its own artwork that is just an awesome touch it's a fun addition if you have a dedicated game space for sure yeah lots of people were looking forward to the newest azul which is queen's garden yep and that came in this week as well and it's uh, azul is an it's an it's another iteration another different take on we're going to use uh cool little tiles and we're going to make incredibly beautiful patterns um, kind of one of those abstract games. So that one came in. I'm looking forward to getting that one on the table. And probably two of the bigger releases that came out this week were uh, Dead Reckoning, which mm -hmm. I know that you were excited about. My wife had pre-ordered it, and we had even forgotten we had, so that was an adventure to discover. Uh, but yes, that is currently... In our in our to playlist for sure. Yeah, well, and that one got delayed. That that was well, that and Wonderland War, which is the other one, the big mm -hmm. release that came in, both have been delayed. I don't even know how many times. Uh, Wonderland War has been delayed so many times that. So in our point of sale system, it tracks when people put in pre-orders on games. And uh, we pulled up Jack, who had pre-ordered Wonderland War, and the number on his pre-order was 753. Now, to put that in reference, we're currently the most recent pre-order we put in the system is uh, 6,500. So wow. it's been floating around out there, just kept getting production delays because of one problem after another over and over again. But we've got uh, the, the deluxe version of that and the deluxe version with the premium token components version of that as well. So those were both cool. And then we got some speed paint finally back in. The starter set. The starter set for speed paint um, because they've been, uh, we, we talked about, I think last podcast that a semi truck full of it got uh, in an accident and all the speed paint destroyed. Um, we got the starter set back in. The mega sets and the individual paint bottles are supposedly still um, in a cargo container waiting on customs approval on the East Coast. Um, what else? Oh, WizKids uh, Frameworks. So WizKids has got a new line of fantasy D&D kind of based minis that are out. And the traditional ones are single mold, right? Say mm -hmm. injection mold, single mold. And they, they the technology is so much better than it used to be. They look great. However, there's only so much you can do with a single mold kind of uh, a processing system. So frameworks are on sprues. And of course you can do so much more detail than you ever could do before in a single mold. Plus you have options where you can decide what kind of weapon is your character gonna be holding, what kind of spell might he be casting. So every character, way more detailed, way more options, but now we're kind of entering that realm of uh, where Warhammer has been traditionally, where you've got to cut them off the sprues and file them down and glue them and prime them. But if you are a mini builder, you now have options for fantasy minis like you've not had before in the past. So a lot of people have been super excited about that as well. And I believe we did not get to talk about it, but the Dark Tower is back end... It is. You've got it set up upstairs, yeah. and the Dark Tower returns. Returns. Excuse me. Uh, it is a monolith on the game board. Yes. Uh, the figures are shaded to look extra creepy. There are little skulls littering around the whole entire tower. It looks just from 
seen it intriguing to play. It was uh, the Dark Tower was one of the games when I was a kid. It was one of the first games that could talk. Um, you know that, that it had a voice synthesizer in there. It could talk to you, and a lot of people, a lot of the copies that have gone out the door have gone out to guys my age who remember having this game when they were, you know, in the in the mid '80s, um, and it was so iconic that. Um, yeah, so this is the Dark Tower Returns. The tower itself is a dice tower, and uh, uh, it changes on the inside depending on conditions. The different levels of it can rotate to for create different openings and stuff. So um, depending on what's going on in the game, the tower itself could change and could, could make a complete difference for what's going on in the future of the game as well. It's pretty crazy. That was Restoration Games. That was another one that was delayed for like a year because of all the yes. global shipping issues. So pretty awesome. We also got some really cool spinner dice. Have you seen the spinner dice yet? I have. Yes, you showed me it yesterday. Yeah, PY i.e. games made the spinner dice that you could roll a dice, but now you can hold it and it spins kind of like a fidget spinner. And uh, our RG staff has not been able to stop playing with them since we got them. There, It's that oddly satisfying, like, if you've never used a fidget spinner, if you looked at it when that craze went out, you're like, okay, those are for kids. I'm not going to engage in it. You don't know the high that you can feel by flicking that once and feeling the momentum just build around what you've just touched. And I highly suggest coming into the store, picking up one of these, and just giving it one whirl. Because uh, there's a weird sense of satisfaction that definitely comes from it. Yeah, and um, they've been selling pretty fast, and we're going to have to put in a reorder already. I, I already see it happening. So it, it's, it's, been, it's been a fun week of, of us... Um, stopping to go wow we did not realize how cool that was going to be when we ordered it and so that's something that we all personally really like to do too is is really we sometimes get delayed on processing new things in and um, getting delayed on receiving things at store because we all have to stop and gather around the box to go this is awesome (laughs) yeah so what are some things that are going on this next week that might pull people in to see some of these new products? Well, I think we talked earlier quite a bit about the game developers uh, group that's that's coming up on Tuesday the 26th. Um, we've got Magic and the Streets of New Capenna, which is like a 1920s, 30s Not magical mag- world. Mat- fantasy mob world, mm-hmm. right? Looks like that could be pretty interesting. Um you know, we've got uh, Gundam Builders Night is coming up. So if you listen to this one on Monday and Tuesday, you'll have time to come in because it's Tuesday night. The Gundam building is always on the third Tuesday of every month. And that group, man, they've really grown. They had like 29 people last time. Wow. And everybody just brings their whatever project they're working on and they sit around, they get tip and tips and, and hints and help from everybody else. And and uh, I've seen people that have done like almost mini classes and how to effectively use like panel liners and things of that nature to really make details pop. And, um, and they just talk about like what show they're watching what be that um an actual gundam because there's multiple gundam movies and there's multiple gundam series correct and uh people are at different stages of having watched and 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 seen these things too so there's a lot of just general kind of geeking out about that part of their hobby as well so i will say that growing up i tried to put together model cars and it just never did it for me whatsoever but in my around my teenage years i managed to walk into a toys r us and i saw a Gundam from Gundam Wing, which was probably the first Gundam series I ever saw, and I picked it up, and there is something magical about creating something you say in the show. The articulation and the movements and the features that comes with it is really nice. And I would say, I know that we talked a lot about like this being very artistic, talking about paneling, but if you're just interested in putting together a giant robot, come buy a set, come downstairs, hang out with the group. They're not going to try and push you to do anything you're not comfortable with. And it's a good time to just have the tools, put together some models and walk away with something that really looks awesome and can be cool on your desk or on a shelf somewhere or things like those lines. And a lot of them are really reasonable priced, yes. right? There's a, a lot of the small ones start at $15 and then you can get some of the, the master grade ones and stuff and that are... 20 bucks there's quite a good selection of them for 20 dollars now you can go 
it can get nutty, right? Yeah. There are some of the big giant models that are going to take you weeks to put it together. But a lot of the ones that people really enjoy hanging out with are, are a lot of those lower end models that are easier to put together. It's supposed to be something relaxing, um, you know. You know, Tony comes in and Tony Tony buys the big ones, right? He's getting the three hundred dollar models that he spends three I've weeks putting those, them yeah. together, and they're amazing. Um, but but it doesn't have to go that direction. A lot of people will just come and get the easy ones, and they mostly just want to come and hang out. And there's different versions of these type of models. So maybe you're not interested in Gundams, but there's one for and other animes that include Mecha. There's things for video games like Mega Man. I think there's even Pokemon. We got a bunch sets. of Pokemon ones. The yeah. Pokemon ones have been really popular for with um, kids as an easy because they're snap fit. You don't mm-hmm. need any glue. All nope. of these, all the Gundams, well, all the modern Gundams, they've, they've done some reprints of some older ones, but the modern ones don't need any glue. They're just snap fit. Yep. Some of the older ones that have been just reprinted from the 90s, those ones need glue. But the, the all the modern ones are just snap fit. So. And so you can just come and you don't even, it helps to have a few tools in order to cut them off the sprues. But really, when I was doing it, I just spun them around and popped them off and I still had a really awesome The Pokemon awesome ones are, are toolless ones. Are even toolless as yeah. well. That's amazing. Yeah, Great. most of the most of the, most of of the the actual robots, they recommend you have like a clipper to clip them off the sprues, but the, the Pokemon ones are completely toolless. Fantastic. So even bring your kid, get them a Pokemon, get yourself a robot, and get to town. Yeah, and then this upcoming Thursday is the third Thursday, so that means we're going to be with our friends out at Keg Grove. Yes. So Keg Grove board game night um, is always fun. God, last week, Chance is coming to help me this week because last month, Raven and I were there, and I think we had 37 people that were there and just drinking some beers and hanging out and playing board games. It was a ton of fun. We, I'm usually there from 5 to 8, and if a game doesn't end by 8, we stay and hang out till the game's over. Sometimes I've been there till 9. Tons of fun. You need to get together with the bow destination people as well so that you can coordinate the same night because that would be an intersection I would love. Yeah. Uh, or tacos. Or tacos. We need, yeah, I, mean, I'll, I'll talk to Jeff about, uh, Big Jeff, about getting a taco truck there for for, for next month, for May, because it's starting to get warmer out as well. And and Keg Grove is such a great location, kind of right off the Constitution Trail. Mm-hmm. Whenever I ride my bike, I'm just like, you know, can pop right in there and have a, a frosty beverage and then make it the rest of the way home. Love that location for them. It's really nice. And so come and join us there. But until then, thank you for joining us on this podcast. We'll be with you again in two weeks. And keep playing games. Keep playing games.